You're listening to CX Passport, the show about creating great customer experiences with a dash of travel talk. Each episode, we'll talk with our guest about great CX, travel, and just like the best journeys, explore new directions we never anticipated. I'm your host, Rick Denton. I believe the best meals are served outside and require a passport. Let's get going. I'm a bit of a travel nerd. I'm the guy that will look up in the sky and try and determine what type of plane it is or pull out my flight tracker app to see where the flight started. So it's not an understatement to tell you that today we are fortunate to have Lorena Kirchen Hernandez as the guest for CX Passport. Lorena has decades of experience in the airline industry, and she has shared some interesting stories with me about how customer experience as a discipline continues to grow in that space. You know how it is when you talk with someone who just gets it when it comes to CX? That's how I felt when I first talked with Lorena, especially given how I was talking to someone in the business, not just a CX person. I am deeply excited to talk with Lorena today about CX and travel. Lorena, welcome to CX Passport. Thank you so much, Rick. I'm really excited to be here with you today. It's going to be fun. Now, you've actually been a part of creating a brand new organization called Customer Experience. What's it like to be a part of the ground floor of a CX org? I've actually been fortunate enough to be a part of two various CX organizations that have been built from the ground up. And I think one word that sums it up um, nicely is exciting. Um, and it's exciting, you know, for us in the in the industry who are so passionate about customer experience and the focus that um, an organization places by creating brand new organizations specifically dedicated to customer experience is exciting for for us CX nerds, if you will. <laughs> um, but you know, the the first time was um, mid 2000s, about 2006, and um, I can tell you that it was, it felt like a mini uh, consulting organization when this organization was created. And so uh, people were just exhilarated and energized to be a part of it. Um, and it was just around the time that NPS methodology was starting to get widely adopted okay. um, across, you know, not just the airline industry, but in just in general. Um, so it's, it's always been super fun and, and as I mentioned, exciting. Um, and I'll tell you a little bit about that first, um, organization. Um, we, it was created, um, and at the time we were, the airline company I worked for was, was measuring customer satisfaction, likely to recommend, right? Which, which is, uh, another word for MPS that, that companies use. Um, but but we we were there to modernize it because at the time we were collecting surveys uh, by paper uh, by hand on board um, and we didn't have really good methodologies in terms of how do we measure it across the entire organization. Okay. Um, so it, it's grown. the The focus on CX has grown, and I mentioned I've, I've actually actually been a a part of two organizations and the second one is just a, in the transformation space. Yeah. Um, how do we transform the entire experience from beginning to end, regardless of what airline or what industry you're in? Um, and that was the beginning of last year, right before COVID hit. 
Okay, which I'm sure had its own set of challenges for sure. But I'm thinking about that, and we're going to avoid brand names, of course. But with sure. your decades in the in the airline space, I know you've seen a lot about the changes when it comes to customer experience, and you've kind of alluded to that as you've created these groups. What are some of the changes that you have seen when it comes to how companies approach com- customer experience? Yeah, I would say three major changes. I think the first one I mentioned was just the modernization of how customer experience is measured um, and the data that is collected, right? And so specifically um, in mid 2000, collecting surveys in a paper format, collecting them you know, on board, which has its own set of challenges um, versus today um, where everything is uh, enabled by technology. And so we're collecting information, not through, just through online surveys, but through all of the additional touch points that an organization has with a customer. So that would be the first one. Um, the second one I would say is the operationalizing of customer experience, whereas previously it was uh, really a function that was typically owned by the marketing organization, which you know isn't always a, uh, the best fit versus something that uh, is owned by the entire company. And I mean, whether you're in marketing or whether you're in sales, um, really having ownership of customer experience across the entire company is is something that I've seen Mm -hmm. um, and and has really helped to sort of modernize what we do in that space. I want to come back to that. That's something that I think we'll talk a little bit about because it is important to have that overarching culture, especially something as large as an airline and the you know wide range of possible roles inside of an airline. But I want to go back to those paper surveys yeah. and, and collecting them on board. And I actually do remember this as a traveler where uh-huh. attendants would come down the aisle and pass out a survey and remind you how important those surveys were. But, you know, I've seen some issues with gaming the system around voice the customer. And I know it comes down to individual accountability, but what do you think influences that desire to game the system? So in my, in my experience, I would say the number one factor is company culture, for sure. Um, you know, in the way that the collection of customer feedback and customer experience data is being used and explained and understood by everyone in the company from frontline employees all the way up through the C-suite. So the culture and how much trust there is between frontline and management um, is is very much a big factor in whether there is gaming and how much gaming and um, whether, you know, frontline employees feel comfortable with the collection of that data. And I can give you an example specifically, right? In paper surveys, as you were mentioning, um, which you can recall being asked when you were, when you traveled, um, when, when flight attendants collect, this is 15, 16 years ago. So I want to preface that for sure. Sure. But when flight attendants uh, collect their survey, there is an incentive to want to turn in the surveys that speak very positively about the experience, <laughs> right? And right. maybe, maybe uh, lose the ones that uh, of the customers that weren't so so satisfied. But again, the comp- the company culture is is very very important. Um, the trust, the the level of trust that employees yeah. have, but then also the incentive systems that exist within that company. So how strongly is compensation and benefits tied at the individual level? 
to those metrics. Yeah, and 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 that that culture sp- uh, element really speaks to me in the sense that if you've got a culture of trust that if a bad survey is or bad and I'm using air quotes here every yeah. piece of information from a customer is actually good but a, a survey that doesn't reflect an experience that you wanted to deliver how about I say that and yeah. if there's a, a culture of trust that it is not a punitive type thing but rather we're going to learn from this then I can see that being an element but if there's this punitive element that we're going to go after the crew that was in the plane that somebody complained that it was too cold or something along those lines. Right. Well, then, of course, they're going to chuck that survey. Um, and it is it is a very rational and logical choice for someone to make there. Right. Yeah, you, you hit the nail on the head, right? The information should be used in a way that's used for coaching, that's used to improve the experience for all um, customers and not to, to not use in a punitive manner, just like you said it um, at the individual level, but just how can we collectively improve the experience for, for everybody right. and not go after individuals who may have been named in the survey uh, because they were having a bad day or, or whatnot. But yeah. that's absolutely critical. Um, making sure that the information is used, you know, in a positive as, as a, uh, carrot rather than a stick, if you yeah, will. Yeah, absolutely. So I do want to, th- there's no way I could get away with this conversation without immediately talking about travel. I, I can't talk to someone who's been decades in the airline industry and not talk about travel, of course. So with you working in that space, you've had to have gone some interesting places. Uh, in fact, you and I were just talking about the, the challenges of standby travel. But I know that aside from that, you have, you've been to some interesting places. Tell me something about your travel experiences. You're absolutely right. I think in the 20 plus years I've, I've been in the industry, I've been to many places, both for, for pleasure um, and business. But I would say the one that's m- most memorable for me would be uh, Cape Town, South Africa. Uh, and that was a recent experience in uh, 2019. Um, I was there for three days, <laughs> which again, when you're in the airline industry, you're, you know, your trips tend to be shorter more right. intense. Um, but it was an incredible, uh, incredible trip. Um, just being able to go to see the penguins at Boulder Beach and Table Mountain um, and being at the southernmost point of, of uh, the continent was, was pretty cool and exciting. All right, let's keep this travel theme going. I'd like you to join me here in the first class lounge. We will move quickly here, but hopefully have a little bit of fun. What is a dream travel location from your past? Italy. I am enamored by that country. Been there five to six times and traveled throughout it. And I just love everything about Italy, uh, about the country, the food, the music, the people. Um, I could retire in, in Italy if I could. I think Italy has now come up several times already in previous episodes. I, too, would love to, uh, if not retire, although that's tempting, at least (laughs) where you rent that villa in Tuscany and and work from there for a few months and just totally immerse in the the culture and the food and the wine and the views for sure. Absolutely. What is a dream travel location you've not been to yet? I have not been to New Zealand and um, dying to go there. Very much looking forward to going there. What about New Zealand's got you wanting to go there? I just picture these sort of lush, um, you know, picturesque um, areas. I think a lot of it has to do 
to with, you know, Lord of the Rings, although by no means am I a, 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 a fan, a huge fan, but I've seen the landscape and, um, I, it's just an area I've always wanted to go. I've made it as far as Australia. Yeah. Um, but you know, if you're going to go to Australia and New Zealand, you definitely need a good amount of time to visit both. So just, I'm just enthralled by it. Really excited. Favorite thing to eat. Well, this won't come as a surprise, but it's pizza, right? <laughs> Given how much I love Italy. Back to Italy. But it's, yeah, but it's it's Neapolitan pizza, right? So so authentic Italian style wood fire uh, brick oven pizza nice. is my favorite thing to eat. Nice. Now uh, that may be a bit of a crime. Now that I'm talking to you in the Chicago area, the deep dish <laughs> aficionados may be upset with you, but I too love the uh, the Neapolitan pizza as well. Listen, I won't turn down a good deep dish, so I'm not a. a you know, I don't uh, turn down, turn away any good pizza, but just Neapolitan pizza for sure is my Very my good. absolute favorite. On the flip side, what is a thing your parents forced you to eat but you hated as a kid? Uh, asparagus. Okay. <laughs> Some painful do, asparagus it, memories there. Yeah, yeah, I do enjoy it now, though. Of course. Funny how but, our tastes evolve, right? I've heard uh, mm-hmm. Brussels sprouts has come up a lot where people didn't like and now they do. I'm still in the hate side, but um, asparagus has shown up as well. Mm-hmm. What is one travel item you will not leave home without? So my passport, which seems like, well, of course, but I do want to preface that I take my passport whether I'm traveling domestically or internationally. Um, and the reason for that is is the the standby travel that, that we briefly touched upon, right? And so what that means is as a standby traveler, you have to be ready to go west when you really need to go east or go north when you really are trying to get south. And so even if you're trying to travel from within the domestic U.S., um, you have to be prepared to travel out of the country if that's the best route for you to get to your final destination. So I always take my passport. Given the complexity of an airline, bringing CX to various groups such as ops or marketing or revenue management must be complex. How do you see the unification of CX data across those areas? Where I've seen it done very well is the way um, the organization is structured. So the the structure of the organization is going to have a huge impact on the ability to bring all of that data into a centralized location. And so I mentioned earlier being able to be part of actual uh, organization called customer experience. When you have an organization um, like that, that reports directly to the chief customer officer, whose, whose main job is really to ensure that the customer is front and center um, in every single decision, whether it is marketing, whether it's revenue management, whether it's the actual operations, uh, that's, that really helps to set up the organization um, to have that focus on the customer, but right. bringing all of that data into one central organization who then sort of oversees it and has the ability to share it across all the different departments. Um, that 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 is an area that I think can be very challenging for organizations sure. <laughs> if they're already structured right. in a certain way. Um, but that unification of data so that an organization has a 360 view of the customer experience, be it their ticketing process, be it the policies when it comes to 
refunding their, their ticket, um, be it the onboard experience or being, you know, in the airport, being able to have that entire 360 view of how the customers feel, um, of how they interact with it, with your company is critical and being able to, to really understand your customers. Boy, especially, you know, when you say it like that, and I think about it as, as an airline traveler myself, right? Uh, all the different, like the journey's long uh, a lot of mm-hmm. times. Yeah, maybe it's a quick business trip and suddenly I buy a ticket and I'm on the plane and off I go. But in general, right, a customer is thinking about their vacation plans months in advance and they're booking it. And then that booking right. experience is separated by months from the actual travel experience. And the... Uh, checking in with your boarding pass is separated from the baggage claim, right? It's it's so many different touch points and bringing that together. Right. I like the idea of having that centralized sense that can you know, make sense of it uh, in in either through tools or through just bringing things together. So that's the org structure. But I know we've alluded to culture before as well, and we've talked about how culture and then language matters. How have you seen language influence an entire culture? A couple of ways especially I would say in recent years uh, in the airline industry is using the word customer in an everyday Um, and both by frontline employees, as well as all the way through to the uh, C-suite. And so let me give you an example. You know, the airline industry is, is there to transport people from point A and point B, right? Um, And they do so using planes, pretty simple. And (laughs) however, um, for years, the metrics that we've talked about in an operational sense in the airline industry is about, you know, how many planes were on time, how many planes were delayed, how many planes were canceled. So that language is centered on planes. It focuses on planes. But in the recent year, I've seen a big shift in talking about customers. How many customers were on time today? How many customers were um, affected by a, a flight cancellation. And so really changing that language to focus on the customer, the traveler themselves versus the plane, which of course is, is critical for the industry, but it gives you a much better sense of we're here because of our customers. Yeah. And we're, you know, the airline industry is really in, in critical in transporting customers via the use of planes. So changing those metrics and in fact, um, you know, measuring the, those, the customers versus the planes has been a big shift that I've seen um, in the recent years. I've seen that too recently that, so it's, it's encouraging as a passenger to, as a customer that rides in those planes to know that that's happening inside the industry. I've seen it in financial services as well, where people historically might have referred to how many folders or files they worked in a day, but then started to speak of how many families they helped. Right. And there's still operational metrics, but they're operational metrics through a human lens and bringing that humanity into it has been encouraging to see. And I'm certainly glad to hear that uh, you're describing that taking place in the airline industry as well. You know, I think about that kind of blending of the operational and the customer experience uh, aspect. And I know you and I have talked about how we've had customer experience roles for decades, but then we only realized that it was CX in the last few years. Tell me what you mean by that. As you and I are both aware, right, customer experience as a discipline is really get, have, it's really received some traction in the last um, 10 years, I would say. But when you think about, or when I think about all of the roles that I've had in the airline industry over the last 20 years, 
What I've noticed is that whether it was in, in the organization called customer experience or whether it was in the sales organization or um, in the operations itself, every single role, role has been about how do we improve a product? How do we improve the policy? Um, whether it's in the B2C space, right, for the end traveler or in the, in the B2B space where we're working with corporations or working with travel agencies. And so what what's really become apparent to me is that anytime you're working on improving that product, that policy, the experience, ultimately, that's really customer experience because you're using mm -hmm. your customer's feedback, that data to understand them better and improve um, their experience. And again, and that experience could be through a policy that the, the company has. It could be through the actual day of travel experience. Um, and so it, when, you know, I, I started to reflect about all of the different roles I had, and that theme really was um, threaded throughout all yeah. of the, the various roles. And so that's, yeah, it, it definitely sort of was a light bulb moment for me when, when I thought about that and uh, realized that's something I've been doing for years. And it's, it's something that I've, I've I certainly agree with you, right? You know, whether it was called process or what it might have looked like back then on behalf of the customer. And I think that's something that I've used to encourage folks that aren't formally customer experience people to recognize that, you know, whatever role they're doing, it'd be a finance role, a tech role, an operations role. Ultimately, it's on behalf of the customer and how they can pivot that, bringing the customer to the, the center of the discussion, the center of the mindset, really does influence kind of the perspective of how they, they take their work forward. Lorena, I want to close on one question that's kind of putting you on the spot here. And I want you to imagine that you are standing in O'Hare and you do have your passport in hand and you're looking up at the departures which flight do you take and why? Huh. So assuming that I am at O'Hare and can find a flight that somehow gets me to Antarctica, that's okay. where I would go. Um, and I'll tell you why. I have on my bucket list um, the, the concept that I want to travel to every single continent. And that is the one remaining continent I've not been to. So, so I've been, I've had the good fortune to travel to all other of the six continents, but, uh, Antarctica is, is, is certainly one, uh, that's on my bucket list. And I want to make sure I get to, um, you know, be, before my time to time here is up, but, and, and that could be through, you know, through South America or, um, sure. Australia, lots, obviously lots of different ways to get there, but, um, the most direct route and the quickest route to um, to visit that that final and seventh continent. Well, I wish you the best in securing that. Maybe after we record this, why don't you head out to O'Hare and see where you can uh, secure that flight to Antarctica and check that one off. <laughs> Lorena, it's been a pleasure talking with you today. I've really enjoyed getting some insight just from someone who knows customer experience, that can speak customer experience, but then specifically inside the airline industry as well. I, I certainly have enjoyed hearing about your travels as well. And definitely agree, as we talked about there towards the end, how culture plays such a vital part in creating a great customer experience throughout an organization. And fundamentally, the realization that a lot of us have been doing CX for decades now, even if we didn't know that we were doing it. So really have enjoyed the conversation today. Thank you for spending time today on CX Passport. I look forward to having you back someday and wish you the best of travels going forward. Thank you so much. I'd love to be back. And thanks again for having me today. 
Thanks for joining us this week on CX Passport. Make sure to visit our website, cxpassport.com, where you can hit subscribe so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, you can check out the rest of the ex for cx website. If you're looking to get real about customer experience, ex for cx is available to help you increase revenue by starting to listen to your customers and create great experiences for every customer, every time. Thanks for listening to CX Passport, and be sure to tune in for our next episode. Until next time, I'm Rick Denton, and I believe the best meals are served outside and require a passport. Passport.